Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 145 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is November 24th, 2010, one day before Thanksgiving, which we all are looking forward to. Nice big meal, hopefully. Uh, today on the podcast, we've got a really good show. Obviously, a lot to talk about, stuff that's been going on around the USC program, the debacle that was that game up in Oregon State that uh, I think a lot of Trojan fans feel was Probably the worst they've seen this USC team play in quite some time. So we're going to talk all about that. We've got Harvey Hyde. We've got Dan Weber coming up. We're going to try to talk to Gerard Martinez as well. He had a tooth pulled last night, so it's going to be a game-time decision for him. So hopefully Gerard is going to be okay. I just got a text from him, and he's not feeling all that good. So if we can't get him on, we apologize. We'll definitely get him on next week, but we're still shooting for that. Uh, we'll try to run him down. If you have any questions or comments... You can always drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. We love to answer those emails. We got a bunch of them today, of course, because of that that game up in Corvallis. You can also call us, 206-888-6755. There's voice, you can leave us a voicemail, and we'll play your voicemail on the air. Try to keep it relatively short. We had a couple of voicemails this week that were kind of rambling off for several minutes. We can't really play those on the show, unfortunately. But try to you know get to the point, and we'll play your voicemail on the air and answer your questions. We have Coach Harvey Hyde in the first segment. As always, we love talking to the coach. What's going on, sir? Well, Ryan, buddy, I'm doing great. I want to say happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. This is a great week of, uh, well, what do you want to say, eating in college football, along with NFL football, a huge week uh, as we sort of uh, go into what we call rivalry weekends, uh, two back-to-back weekends, Notre Dame and UCLA, and they seem to be both at home. Uh, one's on the road, really, but that's not that far in the Rose Bowl. But this one at home, the final home game of the year against Notre Dame, is a huge football game, no matter what the record is, Ryan. No, certainly. And I, I was talking uh, to Dan Weber last night um, a little bit about this, and I think a lot of the USC fans – that are recent fans don't realize how important these rivalry games have been because pretty much throughout the Pete Carroll era, USC's defeated their rivals and they beat Notre Dame eight straight times. You know, they beat UCLA nine out of 10 times, I believe it was. Uh, it, it wasn't that way before in the 80s and 90s. I mean, it was very, very rare. I think the last time they beat both rival rivals in the same year was like 1981 or 82 with like Marcus Allen. So this is a, a key stretch for this team. And I think some of the the recent fans, I hope they can appreciate that because it's not always easy to beat your rivals. You're exactly right. And before we talk about that, I want to tell people that if they're looking for a ticket, Southern California Ticket Service is really the place to go, Ryan, because that's where I go for all my tickets, no matter what. And with the Rose Bowl coming up and also the UCLA game or the SC-UCLA game and the Rose Bowl, Southern California Ticket is right around the corner from the Rose Bowl. Yes, and uh, so you can get tickets for UCLA or for Notre Dame this weekend. 1-800-888-7287 is their phone number. And sctickets.com is the website address. So check it out if you need. You should go to this game. I think USC, this this team, has been through a lot, Coach. I think they deserve to have a full coliseum full of USC fans, not a bunch of 
Subway Notre Dame fans hanging around there. So if you're a USC fan out there, you don't have a ticket yet, get there, get over to the stadium, give SC tickets a call, and uh, check it out. Because this is definitely a game worth watching. Well, it's a definite uh, a game worth watching because earlier in the year, when you looked at what Notre Dame was doing and what SC was doing, you said, oh, man, it isn't going to be a game this year. But now what's recently happened, you know, Notre Dame now has become bowl eligible. They've won their sixth game of the year. This would be a, this would be what, icing on the cake if they could beat USC, break the eight-game winning or losing streak to USC, plus go to a bowl game, blah, 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 and all of the above, and beat them at home. USC, of course, isn't going to a bowl game, so this is a huge game for them at the end of the season. They'll remember the Notre Dame game. They'll remember the UCLA game, and they don't want to remember them as a loss, especially in this type of season when, when you can't go to a bowl game and you've had so many things go on. This could save their season as far as having a respectable season with a win this Saturday and a win the following Saturday. So, Ryan, it's, it, they're both uh, going to be tough football games. There isn't going to be any gimme games in this. The Trojans are going to have to show up, especially now with Matt Barkley uh, possibly not going to play. And a great opportunity for Mitch Mustaine, a guy that sat around or sat around for a long period of time waiting for his turn, and now it finally has gotten here. It is. It's here now, and we'll see. We talked to uh, at practice yesterday. I talked to Dan Weber. I was setting up for the show, so we couldn't. Uh, I couldn't go to practice, but they're keeping the the oper- the, the the option coach of playing Matt Barkley, even though he's on crutches and in a boot. They're they're keeping that open. But it just doesn't seem like that's going to happen. I mean, it looks like, I mean, I would say 95% chance you're going to see Mitch Mustaine starting that game. And really, it'll be his first shot as a Trojan. He's 8-0 as an Arkansas Razorback as the starting quarterback. So, and as Dan pointed out last night, he has a chance to be 10-0 in his college career if he can win the last two games for USC. He does. And, and, and I go back, and I want everybody to remember this. This kid is a great kid. Not only is he a great kid, he's a great athlete. And I think this is almost an NFL audition for him. If you remember in the spring game, Matt Barkley hurt his shoulder or hand. I can't remember what it was. And Mitch came in and threw for five touchdown passes and really looked tremendous. Now, of course, he hasn't had the reps. He isn't, uh, uh, he's got to get back into it and so on. He's getting a lot of reps this week. But I truly believe this kid can go out there and really perform. I really do. I think he throws a deep ball better than what Matt has been throwing a deep ball lately. I think he understands the game. He's really a student of the game. I think he understands what these two games mean to him and the USC Trojan football program and a chance for him to play on Sunday. And I think the team will gather around him and help him be successful. Not that they wouldn't with Matt and so on, but it's very difficult not to practice for a whole week and then come out and play on Saturday. It it really is uh, because the timing of the offense is so important as far as handing the ball off, uh, worrying about if – Matt gets hit and goes down again, and also the safety of Matt as far as for is he really ready to play and so on. So, you know, my feeling is is what I would tell Mitch, Mitch, you're the guy. You're the guy. Look at it that way. Teach him that way. Tell the team he's the guy. Get him ready to play so that he focuses as the starter and the team rallies around Mitch and they're ready to play on Saturday because this is not going to be an easy football game. Here's Notre Dame coming off of two huge wins. A win over Utah, an upset win over Utah, and then a win over Army, which now qualifies them for a bowl game. And they would love to beat USC. And right now they have gained a lot of confidence in their program. 
under Coach Kelly, and they know now the Trojans are wounded. They had a chance probably to watch the game live last week after their game, and they can see where the wounds are, and the Trojans are bleeding, and they want to go in and cut their head off. So this is going to be quite a challenge for USC. I agree with you, Coach, and uh, well, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens there. Well, I ha- we have a voicemail, and this is a special one. We have to bump him right up to the front of the line. Voicemail all the way from Saudi Arabia, Coach. We had He actually called the show earlier in the year, so we want to bump that up. So here you go. Here's a question. How are you guys doing? This is Antonio from Saudi Arabia. I called about you know, a couple of weeks ago, well, a few weeks ago during the Virginia game, before the Virginia game. Uh, you know, a lot has happened during this uh, this year. I just wanted to say that I think, you know, we all have to just understand that this is a growing process. We've been spoiled for the last seven, eight years with Pete Carroll's reign, which Kiffin took a part of, and Coach Monty and all of them. We have to get the, the reality is that we got young kids and some players just not living up to expectations and give them a chance. And believe me, you'll see the Trojans back on top. Uh, I just wanted to say something for Coach Harvey Hyde and uh, uh, Ryan. You guys are doing a great job. I appreciate all your efforts. Uh, you know, it's been a difficult, kind of a difficult season, but a lot of promise to look forward to. What I'm wondering, though, uh, this could be for Gerald or for anybody, do you think that, um, do you think it's possible that we can get J- Jadavion Clowney? I looked at his interest, and USC seemed like it's number two. And I've heard, I've read something in the in a South Carolina Chronicle or something like that that he's uh, highly interested in going to USC. Also, do you believe that we should go more to a three-four set on defense instead of the uh, the the Tampa the Tampa the Tampa two? If I'm not understanding, like this three-four, the, the three-down linemen, and I think four linebackers, just more DBs, and just rely on speed rather than just the power. Maybe downsize defensive linemen, go down to about 260-270 on the end. Uh, this is probably for Coach Harvey Hyde. The first one's for uh, Gerard. And uh, you guys do a great job. I'll call you guys back and and let's see how we finish off Irish in uh, UCLA. Take care. Bye. Hey, Coach. Well, I tell you, it's great <laughs> to have people listening in Saudi Arabia, isn't it? And and I want to thank him for calling in and uh, thank you for listening here. Uh, first of all, uh, the recruitment of that player, you know, I don't think you're going to know right away where he's going to go. He's a tremendous player. And, yes, USC uh, is recruiting him hard, and, of course, you'll address, you'll address that a little bit later on, so I won't address that. But uh, when you talk about uh, the USC uh, football program and so on, yes, they have a bunch of young players playing. I really feel this, and I, and I want to make a statement on this. We have Darrell Casey, who is a player who is thinking of possibly going out. I personally feel this. I personally think he should stay another year, and I think the entire team should stay another year. I don't think there's really a uh, player that's a first-round pick currently right now on the USC roster that's playing. Uh, I, I think Casey's a dominant player and so on, but I think he needs another year of uh, – under Coach Orgeron, and I think that if he comes back, he'll lead the defensive line and the rebuilding of the defense a, a great deal. It's always great to have him back, plus the, the uh, defensive tackle who injured his uh, knee earlier that had to sit out the entire year along with other recruits that are out there. Uh, as far as uh, the defense, uh, going to a 34 defense or 5-4 it used to be called and so on, 
it's something to look at in the future, not now. I think that defense, I'm going to be personally honest with you, I think that defense has a better chance of stopping the wide-open spread offenses, the the wildcat offenses, then the 4-3. Why you do have quicker players on the field, and you've got to have great, great quickness on the field to stop all these spreads, because you have more field to cover than you did before. As far as going to it now, I wouldn't suggest that now, because really... USC has a lack of linebackers. You need to have a lot of linebackers to play that scheme. And I think changing at this point of the season would be uh, a negative thing. It would hurt USC more than help them. Why? Because the kids would look at it as, well, you don't believe in what we're running. We have to change now. I've always said uh, when you believe in something and you teach it year-round, it's very difficult to change it at the end of the year because the kids lose a lot of confidence in what they've been doing and they lose confidence in the defense that you are uh, suggesting they run because you feel that the defense they ran hasn't been run right and they aren't worth a darn. So I wouldn't change it now. It's too late. I'd stay with it and uh, try to salvage a, a season. I think with the defense they currently are running, I think they can win their last two games. I really believe that. Uh, it wasn't the defense, I feel, that hurt them against Oregon State. I think it was more than that it was more the offense. I thought they played in the first half of that game at Corvallis a good enough game defensively to win that football game. The offense sputtered. The offense kept them on the field. The offense threw an interception where it went 10-0. A lot of things that went against the defense. They got terrible field position, terrible field position. The punting was absolutely horrible, and uh, they were on the field an awful lot. The offense went in, three and out, three and out, three and out, and really never got a rhythm going. So I think uh, everyone understands that uh, the, 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 the winning and losing on this year's team is ball control and also that of the offense keeping the defense off the field. Uh, Tyler, I, I think, uh, uh, hurt the team a lot by him not being able to play. Uh, and then they ran that pitch play to Bradford. He fumbled and never did return back to the game, which is a tough break for Bradford. But that's a play they hardly ever run. Not that he should have been fumbling the football, but... Uh, he is a tremendous football player that's not being utilized on the playing field. So, uh, no, I don't think they should change the defense now. Yes, possibly next year, go to the 34th, especially if you get some quick linebackers and some kids that can run. But you've got to run today to play defense against these quickness and these type of offenses that you're now facing. You can't play it anymore with the big, tough, slow guys. No, go I ahead, agree, I'm sorry if I went so long. Yeah, no, and, and but you know I agree that the defense didn't play all that bad in this game, and special teams hurt them in the punt game, and the offense obviously was abysmal. So, and that's that's our next question is about the offense. It's from John Bettina, and I couldn't I couldn't agree with him anymore. Um, he felt feels that the intermediate routes are non-existent in this offense, and he wrote an email a couple of weeks ago asking about that same thing. Uh, he was breaking it down. I'm not going to go through all the numbers, but. The vast, vast majority of Barkley's throws were seven yards or less. And like we saw, Oregon State was really pressing the line of scrimmage. So their defenders were close to the line, and USC was throwing passes that were close to the line. He wonders about the concepts of this offense and what you know what was the deal with all the, the runs on long yardage situation. They had a second 20, and they bring in the Wildcat, which is usually a six-yard run up the middle or so. Um, so that's John's got some concerns with the offense, Coach. Well, I think he's uh, exactly right. I think uh, Coach Kiffin addressed that, too, uh, at one of his press conferences. I think they just 
they they coached a terrible offensive football game. The play calling wasn't good. The uh, the offense uh, changed the, the the rhythm of the game. They gave Oregon State a real chance to win the football game, and when they saw that chance, they took advantage of it, and they really never got back into the game. I've said this for the entire year. I've never seen a deeper outside. I even questioned that possibly that Matt Barkley's shoulder still bothering him. He missed uh, the pass to Woods in the Arizona State game on the first play of the game, which would have been an easy touchdown if he just put the ball up and let Woods run to it. And he also missed the post pattern. If you remember to Johnson, it would have been a touchdown. And what's, somehow what bothers me is you don't come back and try those plays again. They have been throwing the uh, short routes the entire season, the, the bubble screens, the, the short outs, the hitch passes, and so on. The tight end has been non-existent the last three games. I think they've thrown the ball three times to tight end the last three games. So they don't worry about the middle of the field whatsoever. They also, what, what bothers me too, is, is when a team makes an adjustment, there was no question Oregon State says, we're going to take away your favorite passing game, which is the short passing game. They came up and pressed the Trojans that you don't make adjustments to that. They're playing man coverages. You don't uh, get in slots, cross your backs, you post and post corners. You do things to really put a lot of stress on the secondary coverage of, of Oregon State. That wasn't done, and I keep talking about that all the time, uh, bootlegs, dragging your guys, let the defensive guys chase their, their receivers across the field. But you've got great receivers. You're not going to have better receivers than Wooden Johnson ever together as a pair. And, if you can't get it done with the tight end that's in there, I think Ellison is good enough to get it done as far as in certain routes and so on, then put in a slot or put in Alsbury at the slot position and so on, let him run the routes from the inside. But I do believe if you don't stretch the field, if you don't utilize your outside receivers on deep routes and throw to your tight end and throw to your backs, if you remember two games ago against Arizona State, they hit Tyler in the flat, or they threw him the ball five times, one for a touchdown, you're not matching your skilled players against their players. And I don't see that happening. And I didn't really see the offense getting any type of rhythm or established anything. They must have run 25 different formations against Oregon State, jumping around from one thing to the next thing and so on. You get out of sync, you get out of rhythm, and it's very difficult to move the football because you never set up, set up anything or see what people are doing to stop you to be able to adjust to it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Coach. One of the worst offensive performances I can remember. And that's it's a shame because USC was playing so well on offense leading up to that game. Um, all right, well, let's uh, switch to defense. we got another voicemail question. This is a defensive question for you. Yeah, this is Rich. Uh, enjoy your program very much. I've called a couple times before. Uh, I've called mainly about the, uh, the defense. And uh, as one who played both high school and uh, college football, uh, when we weren't doing the job on defense, which I played, uh, we made adjustments. And it just seems that with the defense this year, there have been no adjustments made at all. I think one game we went back playing man-to-man. Last week it seemed we went back to playing uh, the Tampa 2, cover 2, whatever. And i just like a really honest assessment, brutal if it is, uh, from you, Ryan, and from the coach on what you think about Monty Kiffin, uh, what he's done this year, and uh, what the chances are for next year of him coming back and would you guys change the defense for next year based on uh, the players that they have coming back and the recruits that they have coming in um, appreciate it very much enjoy the program thanks you guys bye well first of all let me tell you i have the utmost respect for coach bonnie kiffin i think he's a gentleman i think he's uh 
been in the game a long time. He knows I, I, he's forgotten more football than I know, okay? And it's hard for me to judge exactly what they're trying to accomplish on defense because I don't know what they're trying to accomplish. I mean, I don't know exactly what their game plans are. I don't really sit in their meetings to know who's supposed to be doing what or who has a deep middle or their man technique, the way they cover split receivers and so on. To me, it seems like the defensive backs, when they're playing man, are always chasing the guy. I've, I've never seen him in position to turn around, look for the ball, and every single time there's a pass, there's a chance for a pass interference. I, I don't know what that technique is. I'd like someone just to basically explain it to me. I hate to say it in those type of words, but I ask other people, and they somewhat agree with me. I really don't know if the defensive backs just aren't fast enough or so on. I think uh, the young freshman, uh, uh, Roby, is, is a great uh, talent, but I don't know if he's big enough to make tackles on the physicalness of the running backs and receivers that he's playing against. He's always somehow in the right place sometimes, but he's very small, and he's getting bumped around one time last week. They even knocked his helmet off when he was flying around the ground. And the kid's a good kid. Don't get me wrong. He's good, but maybe he'd be utilized more on special teams or something because it's very difficult. Today what they're doing is they're getting receivers who are big, tall, tough kids, and running backs are so big and punish you so much. It's hard when people just out-physical you. You hear me talking about running Tyler 30 times a game and how what that does to defensive backs. It really beats them up. As far as the defense schemes that they're using, it's hard for me to understand at times how there can be such gaping holes in the defensive front. As far as uh, Rodgers running through on a couple of them this past week, there was nobody there. They just turned out on the tackles and the guard turned in, and there was no backer or anybody stepping to that hole. There was nobody pursuing to that hole. And somehow someone's taking the wrong gap or not getting where they're supposed to go, or somebody went the wrong way and went to the wrong gap. Because a couple of those holes were just huge. I might have been able to run through that, and that's saying a lot. Not might, Coach. You could have. (laughs) Well, well, okay. But uh, it's hard for me to understand that. It was hard for me to understand, too, why Glippo wasn't playing. And then afterwards I found out that he had a concussion and so on. And I certainly understand that. But you're not really getting your the linebacker play. You're not getting the pressure on the quarterback. You're making some average players like Katz, a good kid, don't get me wrong, SC never even visited him out of Santa Monica High School, looked like he's a phenom, a great football player. And, 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 and he's a good player, but he's not good enough to beat USC. And, and that's what bothers me because SC puts themselves in a position where a kid that can throw the ball uh, where kids should be, should be covered can can look so good and throw so regularly completions and the third down conversions are, are unbelievable that happen against USC and USC can't convert on third down, so it, it's very frustrating to say the least and and uh, and and it's and it's uh, it's painful to watch that type of performance and I know exactly how all of our listeners feel because you know when you're a true winner it's supposed to hurt when you don't win. It's supposed to hurt when you don't make big plays. And to me, it, it, it hurts when you have great talent. And I hope it is great talent or somebody misevaluated the talent when yeah. they're not performing up to what their ability is. And I think that's basically what everybody's really flustered about is what's going on. And it's hard for me to describe exactly what is going on with the defense, except for techniques I see and so on, because they don't know what the game plans are and I'm not in their meetings. All right, Coach. Well, we appreciate it, and uh, 
thanks for all your time. And I, I know it's been a, it was a painful, painful weekend, but USC has a chance to make things right with some wins over Notre Dame and UCLA. But again, Coach, we really appreciate it. Thanks to Southern California Tickets, and we'll talk to you next week. And happy Thanksgiving and uh, happy holiday seasons to everyone out there, and let's hope for a great game this Saturday. Certainly. And, Coach, yeah, enjoy your Thanksgiving over there in Catalina. I'm, I'm jealous. You're going to have some turkey? I'm going to have more than that. Okay. I'm going to have the dressings, <laughs> potatoes. I'm going to do it all. I'm going to gain about five pounds this weekend. Okay? Yeah. I'm deep frying turkey, and we uh, we we experimented last weekend deep frying turkey, and you got to use the oil for something. So we deep fried some Twinkies, some <laughs> Snickers, and some Oreos afterwards. That was good stuff. Oh, buddy, have fun out there. That's great. Okay, I'll save some for you, Coach. <laughs> All right, buddy, buckle up out there, and everybody be safe. All right, thanks again, Coach. Everyone else, we'll be back in thirty seconds. We're going to talk about USCFootball.com beat writer Dan Weber. Stay tuned. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, and we have Dan Weber, uscfootball.com beat writer, joining us. Dan, what's going on? Ah, not much. Uh, well, actually, a lot, but uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a, you know, a lot of a lot of things happening when uh, when you get Notre Dame week and Thanksgiving week and uh, all of that at at, at the same time. It's, uh, it's it's a big week. Certainly a big week, and uh, we talked a lot about that yesterday on our uh, uscfootball.com TV show. Dan co-hosted it with me, so we did a little. Uh, thing down at Traditions, you can check that out on Ustream.tv slash USC football, or we'll put the links up on actually com. So when you go get the podcast, you can see the latest episode of our uscfootball.com TV. So you can kind of see us besides listening to us. So it's a little different than the podcast. We try to put some video features and stuff in there. So it's pretty fun. I hope you have a good time doing it, Dan. Oh, yeah, uh, very much so. That was, uh, that was fun. Cool. All right. Well, let's. We got a bunch of questions. Again, if you have a question for us, podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address. You can send it to. Uh, we got a voicemail question as well. We'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, let's see. So Kevin wants to know, Dan, and we talked about this yesterday on the show a little bit. Can you provide any details on why Markeith Ambles is off the team, and can his scholarship be used? for an early enrollee. They're always worried about the next the next level, Dan, but what what's the latest with Markeith Ambles? Uh, you know, Lane is is absolutely determined that he's not going to go there and, and uh he basically has said that uh uh you know, we wish uh, Markeith and his, you know, family well and he's just no longer a member of the team and uh and that's uh that's the extent of it. Uh no uh no more uh you know Explaining, or you know, whether it was mutual, whether it was uh, one side or the other side decided, uh, you know, that that this just wasn't working out. Uh, I mean, I think, I mean, 
I thought from the tenor of the first time that Lane, uh, uh, you know, said that Marquise wasn't going to be, um, uh, you know, w- was suspended from the program, it surely sounded like he had a long way to come back. Now, it sounded that way with Patrick Hall as well, and Patrick Hall did come back and made it back. So uh, uh, then, you know, after a few weeks, we do see, um, you know, Marquise at practice uh, later, uh, two weeks ago. And then uh, he sort of dropped off last week. Uh, I mean, and they incorporated him back in, you know, to practice. But, again, he was uh, just uh, one of the guys and, uh, you know, with an awful lot of competition at that wide receiver spot. And uh, then when when we didn't see him last week, you had a feeling of, well, is he, you know, is this all about studies? Is this all about, uh, you know, they really want him to, you know, concentrate and, uh, you know, get his uh, academic act together? Uh, and then uh, over the weekend, uh, everything seemed to get finalized that uh, now this was, uh, he was going to have, he was leaving and uh, he's going to, you know, have to go somewhere else and um, uh, he's going to have to sit out next year, obviously. So he he will, Basically, his first two years out of high school, he won't really have played, uh, you know, much college football at all. It's a, that's kind of a tough deal, but, the, you know, I think in some ways it might be, a, you know, a better thing for USC. In some ways it might be a better thing for Marquise. Um, uh, that's, all, that's all you can think. I don't know. That's a good question about the uh, uh, early, you know, entry uh, scholarship. Uh, that's a... That's a question that, you know, we have to probably do some research on. I don't know. Yeah, I think you could. Uh, We'll talk to Gerard about it in the next segment, but I'm pretty sure as long as that scholarship isn't there, he can be used as an early enrollee, and they're going to take a full class. Yeah. You know, anyway. That would be my indication. My my guess would be yes, but uh, that's an interesting question. I I, I do think that's a, you know, a motivation is that if if it doesn't look like it's a a fit, this year will be a year to, you know, stock up on, you know, as many kids. Uh, you know, they're making up for, uh, you know, some low numbers in some previous recruiting classes, I think, and uh, and they don't have any other choice, I think, at this point. So, uh, you know, I, I think however many they can get, they're going to get. And however, you know, those scholarships work out, they're going to use them, uh, uh, you know, as many as possible. I don't think they're, you know, this is the year to, you know, to, to try to be selective or back off. And I think it, at positions where they have, you know, not that much need, uh, you know, I mean, let's face it, they've already got one really good recruit for next year yeah. at wide receiver and Kyle Prater. I mean, so, I mean, that's a pretty good start on your, uh, you know, your wide receiver recruiting class. And considering, you know, the position's already pretty well stocked uh, when you look at it, uh, you know, um, right now. Uh, it's not a position of, of a great deal of need, and they've got you know uh, a couple of you know prospects at that position uh, that look like they could be uh, you know awfully strong. So um, you know it, it, it makes a lot of sense all the way around that uh, that it happened. Okay. Uh, well, let's. Uh, we had a couple questions on the defense. I'll kind of combine these two. Excuse me, Coach G. Uh, Coach, I love uh, Coach. Coach G sends in questions. I love it. He, he goes on these rants, and uh, he's, I mean, he makes sense, man. I mean, I agree with what he's saying. But he wants to know how much time is spent in practice on man coverage, and uh, 
It's got John Doe. It's D-O-E-E. So, John, uh, thanks for writing in. That's a cool name. Um, he wants to know about press coverage. We've talked about it before. Why aren't we asking the coaches and stuff about this? So maybe you can talk about the coverages and stuff and what goes on at practice, Dan. Yeah, that's a, that is a good question. Um, one of the things I think we haven't seen, uh, one of the uh, differences this year is because of the structure of where we're allowed to go on the practice field, uh, that actually has changed the way we're able to cover practice. We aren't allowed anymore to go uh, between the fields. So we, we used to be able to go um, uh, down uh, in between where the offensive and defensive teams worked out in the, between the, you know, the long uh, regular field and the shorter field and, and what have you. And you could really, uh, for example, watch the secondary uh, and all the things that they would do in practice. Uh, we're not as close to the defense, so we don't get to see uh, up close, for example, as much, uh, uh, you know, how much they do on this particular technique or, or that particular technique. We're, we're, for example, able to maybe watch the, uh, the offensive part of that, but not so much uh, the defensive part of that. I mean, they haven't, uh, you know, spent as much time. Obviously, they don't spend as much time uh, on man as, as probably some people, you know, would like to see them do, uh, uh, you know, they, you know, that's not a big part of, of what they do. Uh, and it never has been, you know, it hasn't been a part of, uh, you know, what, um, uh, what Monty does in the, um, you know, the Tampa two and, and, you know, whether they play a lot of Tampa two or not, what they do is play defenses that are, uh, kind of derivative of the Tampa 2, you know, they start with the Tampa 2, you know, or they, uh, you know, they, they incorporate it or they adapt it or they uh, combine it or what have you. Uh, but uh, uh, I don't think we see a lot of uh, work on, on man coverage. We don't see, uh, you know, a great deal of that you notice that they're really, really working on the press coverage. I would think they've picked it up more. They've, they've done more of it. Uh, as the season has gone on, uh, and as they've you know realized they have to blitz more, uh, we've seen more maybe combination coverage where they'll do you know one thing on one side or where they'll let Charisse uh, you know try to play more man on on a particular in a particular situation or against a particular you know uh, opponent. But uh, uh, I'm sure for for you know Coach G and all the rest of us maybe. Uh, not as much as, uh, as some of us would think might make sense because we don't see uh, a lot of results and we don't see a lot of you know really well executed uh, secondary play uh, in what they're doing when they're not doing uh, you know press. Uh, uh, but no, we don't see a lot. No, and and for John specifically, we do ask the coaches about it. I mean, I asked uh, we I put something in the war room. Yeah, a week or two ago, I don't remember what it was, but talked to Willie Mac Garza one on one about it, and he kind of laughed. He laughed about it a little bit and was like, "You know, you, when you do something like that, you're you're there's risk reward in everything you do." And uh, he's like, "You know, a lot of times they don't do it because they're worried about giving up something over the top." And uh, you know, I think my argument for that would be, "Well, you're giving up big plays anyway. Would you <laughs> would you rather at least yeah, make them yeah, throw?" I mean, I think you know the same uh, you know. The kind of uh, approach that you know they had under Pete was, uh, you know, it was the bend, don't break, don't get beat over the top, make sure everything's in front of you, 
uh, you know, that kind of thing. And so uh, uh, there's a hesitancy, uh, or there certainly has been a hesitancy to, you know, to come up and just play, uh, you know, lock guys down. I mean, when you looked at Oregon State, who had a completely different philosophy, you know, they just came up and banged guys around and dared USC to beat them deep, and uh, USC couldn't. And, and they weren't exactly doing it with the greatest athletes in the world, but they were doing it with kids that were aggressive and not not afraid to just come up and, and you know, knock you around, bang you around. That is not any part of the USC uh, uh, philosophy uh, in terms of, you know, coverage. It's just not what they do. All right. Yeah, I couldn't have been two different, two more different philosophies that ran into one another in Corvallis the other day, and uh, I don't, and I think we all know how that turned out. <laughs> Which one came out best? All right, uh, here's an interesting question from Joe. After last week, I don't think it's too early to start pondering the future, and I, I don't think it's ever too early to start pondering the future, Joe. It's okay. Mm-hmm. That's what that's why we cover recruiting. It's always it's always about the future. But I wanted to know what players from the class of 2010 who have or haven't seen much action, do you think will be impact players next year? Any hope for some breakout stars on defense? Please tell me George Uko is another Casey in waiting. I thought that was an interesting one. I think, I think that's a good pick. I, 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 like, uh, I like a lot of what I see of George Uko. I like his frame. I like his kind of – he seems like a more mature player than a uh, – you know, that a true freshman, I, I think they they like him. Uh, and I think they, you know, decided to bite the bullet where he probably could have helped them this year. Uh, that's a position where they've had, you know, a couple of pretty good players. And uh, they're going to get him in, and then they're going to get Christian Tupo back. So, uh, yeah, I think that's one position. Obviously, Kyle Prater, uh, you know, hasn't played. And... Uh, so he's uh, he's from that you know that class. Uh, I don't know. I I don't know where to go after that. I think the three tight ends are still going to be interesting as to where they all end up in terms of positions. And and I mean, I, you look at them, and every one of them is a good athlete, and every one of them looks like they you know he can play. Uh, but. Uh, how that shakes out, you know, where Christian Thomas ends up and, you know, Randall Telfer and, uh, you know, and, and Grimble, how big does he get? You know, what, what I, I think that position, uh, I'm, I'm real interested to see uh, where that goes. I probably, uh, like a lot of people, would have wished that you would see more definitive uh, ability in the secondary guys uh, and we just haven't seen them other than, you know, on a rare occasion, uh, you know, get a chance to show what they can do. So uh, the one area where you would think they need the most help, we haven't really, uh, we haven't really seen if there is that particular, that kind of help available next year. I mean, we're looking at the secondary, and probably next year what you're looking at is, um, is, uh, does Patrick Hall get healthy, and uh, is that the place where he starts, or, or, or is it on offense? Uh, does T.J. Bryant get healthy, uh, and how quickly can he contribute again? Does uh, Drew McAllister get healthy, and you know can he step up and and do it? It's not it's, you know the secondary we're not looking so much at the class of 2010 yet. I mean there, you know there's some good looking 
you know, bodies and, you know, guys that look like athletes, but, uh, you know, how long it takes them to learn, you know, somebody made the, com- you know, the, the comment that uh, is the USC defense as difficult to learn as it was teach uh, offense, you know, where it took Mark Sanchez <laughs> until his fourth year before they were almost uh, willing to let him use the whole offense. And, uh, you know, is that the case with the USC defense now? Um, you know, it's so complex and so many things that a kid has to learn that you, you can't even think about uh, feeling like he's, uh, you know, competent to uh, to get in there until he's, uh, you know, played a few years. Uh, I don't know. It, it's been real challenging for the young younger players that are being forced to play this year. That's for sure. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we have anyway, a, we have a... I, I, yeah, I like Yuko. I think Yuko. I think Prater. I think the tight ends, and then uh, then we'll you know we'll go from there. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Yeah, Kristen Thomas. He's got to be a breakout player somewhere. We'll see. Wherever, yeah, somewhere. Wherever you're, you're, that is. You look everywhere. You know, will will it be the uh, you know a sort of a hybrid fullback? Uh, you know, how much do they go to the you know the spread? Where does that you know just there's just lots of things. You know, is he a linebacker? Uh, I don't think the decision's been made uh, with him. I think you know the, he's gotten a couple of looks, but uh, you know I, I th- we have to anticipate that he has to play next year. He just has to play. He's just too athletic. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get to. We have a voicemail question. I was a little hesitant to play this. It's kind of chicken little. I don't think things are all that bad. I know some people can kind of get start walking towards the edge of the cliff, Dan, when there's a, a bad loss like this. But here's a question. I just want to let you ponder it. Uh, J.D. from Washington, D.C., wow, a lot of uh, transfer rumors floating around after uh, that debacle uh, this weekend. Uh, what, what do Ryan and uh, Dan think about the possibility of Ambulance going to Florida State, Butler to Georgia, both Grimbles to Oklahoma, T.J. Bryant to Florida State, and maybe even Prater to Ohio State? Uh, and as for Gerard, uh, there are rumors that uh, Farmer and Lee are going to end up at Oregon now. Uh, curious what you guys are thinking uh, about those possibilities. So I think the whole team's transferring, Dan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I guess that's the danger of reading too many uh, 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 boards. Uh, I'm sure there's rumors everywhere. Uh, it's interesting uh, uh, that those sound like the kinds of rumors that you would get from people who want those kids to transfer, you know, to their place. Uh, uh, one would think that... Uh, Considering the fact that every one of those kids, basically, uh, I guess everyone, yes, that he mentioned, would lose a year of eligibility, uh, basically. Uh, I'm not sure that any of them fall under the, uh, uh, you know, immediate transfer rule. Uh, that would really be a, a knock on their careers, I would think. Uh, uh, you know, to, it, it, it's hard to imagine that some of those places he, you know, he mentioned would be more attractive. <laughs> in a USC where, you know, they're really needed and wanted and, you know, probably the prospects for USC next year uh, would seem to be at least as good as, as almost any of those places he mentioned. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that uh, if I looked at it on paper and said, well, who's going to have a better program in any of those schools he mentioned or USC next year? I'm not sure I'd put any of them necessarily ahead of USC. Uh, you know, some of those schools are, are, are kind of struggling. And it wouldn't be a matter of leaving a program that certainly has a chance to be pretty good next year uh, 
and giving up a year of eligibility next year in order to, I mean, would Prater, you know, sit out this year, redshirt this year, so that he could transfer and sit out next year at a place where they really don't throw the ball that much? I don't know. No, he's seen he's seen the receivers there, and I think he I think he probably figures that him and Robert Woods are going to be the two men the two men next year. Oh yeah, I mean, where would you where would you want to go if you're a receiver? Would you want to play at USC for Lane Kiffin or at Ohio State, you know, for Mr. Trestle? I I would think you would want to play at USC. Just would be my guess. And would you want to play next year after sitting out this year, or would you want to sit out next year? I mean, there's a, you know, a lot of rumors, but rumors uh, have some, I think, uh, connection to reality. I mean, uh, you know, I, I just don't see any of those kids wanting to sit out next year. Next year, for most of those kids, looks like the year. And you know, I think now, it would be di- I mean, obviously, Marquise gone, but, yeah. uh, you know. But, but I think it would be uh, different, Dan, if you had like, this, the offense struggled all year. The offense has been pretty darn good all year and had one bad game and could right. be very good the next two games. Who knows? I mean, if I don't think you could find out all these people want to transfer after one bad offensive performance. No, no, that sounds like wishful thinking from people who really would like to have some of those players. If those guys all, you know, even if they all those guys could transfer with no penalty, I can't see that. Transferring with the penalty, it just doesn't seem to make any sense at all. I mean, Florida State is attractive how? I mean, uh, when you're an also ran in the ACC, you're an also ran. You know, I mean, uh, I I just don't see. uh, I I don't. I don't see that. I mean, uh, how attractive is Oklahoma right now? You know, uh, I mean, you you can you you could say, well, you know, where does USC? One of the things USC's got for kids is an opportunity to play. Uh, You know, with the exception of uh, you know, say the wide receiver spot. there's really a lot of opportunity for a kid to play, uh, you know, and especially those, you know, when you talk about younger kids and all that. Uh, USC would seem to be uh, a pretty attractive, uh, a pretty good, pretty attractive place to to be and to play. And you know, as hot as Oregon, you know, to some people seems to be, you know, they're going to lose a lot of kids for next year. They, you know, one of their uh, you know strengths this year is you know the number of veteran guys they've got. And those guys won't be there next year, so uh, you know it's not automatic that you know Oregon's going to be this uh, year after year after year powerhouse. Uh, uh, you know they had a lot of good things happen. You know this year that you know came together, and uh, but again, that it's not a place if you're um, you know big time wide receiver. You know, is that where you go? I don't know. Yeah. All right, um, and we also have a question from Mark. I don't want to get into this too much. We talked about it. We have a pretty long discussion on the USCFootball.com TV yesterday, but he wants to know, hey, Dan, Acquiring Minds want to know, since um, Jordan Campbell is affiliated with a sports agent, with, with a sports agent, does Paul D. think that he is still eligible at the University of Louisville? Yeah, I, you know. <laughs> He's not eligible there under, already, anyway. I under, yeah, I understood they took his... Um, his logo, you know, his name down and his, uh, you know, ID down from uh, 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 the website of the uh, first round, uh, you know, and, and from from what we're hearing, you know, first round just threw everybody's name up on that website just because it sounded good. Uh, uh, 
And I don't I honestly don't know. You know, could a kid be uh you know, a, a scholarship athlete and then also be like a uh, party promoter or a clothing line promoter, uh you know, does he ever approach anybody about, uh, you know, representing him? And, you know, can you be a scholarship athlete and, and also be an agent? I, you know, kids are allowed to work uh, jobs, uh, you know, away from, from uh, you know, the sport that they're playing. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, you know, we're in uh, areas where uh, I don't think anybody has any idea, you know, what what the decisions are. I mean, the problem is, the, the more we went through the whole NCAA decision-making process in the case is they made up their mind. They decided to do anything they darn well pleased. And, and whatever the rules were, if they, a guy had one designation, you know, beforehand, the NCAA changed it. They just said, well, now you're, you're a representative of the school's athletic interests. Even though when we last looked at you, we said you weren't. Uh, why? Because they wanted to nail USC. I mean, it was obvious. They made up whatever decision they wanted and said, yeah, what are you going to do about it? And so when you say, how does this fit in with the NCAA's definitions or how does this fit in with whatever, the problem you've got is the way they decided the USC case, they can basically decide anything they want. They can, they can use any evidence they want. They don't need any evidence if they don't. I mean, this is the scandal of the USC case, is that they did that. They had no standards. They just made things up as they went. The standards for penalties, the amount of penalties, the severity of penalties, uh, the designation that they gave to people uh, in terms of whether they represented USC's athletic interests or not, they just they made it up. And uh, so to say... Where does Jordan Campbell fit in that? They could, you know, they could make him the president of USC, I think, if they wanted to, and say, you know, whatever they wanted to. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm overstating that, but I really mean it. That, that, that it was a scandal, and it remains a scandal, um, the way the NCA handled the USC case, and to try to figure out in your own mind, saying, well, this is the standard here, and this is with the precedent there. And this is how they, look, they can do whatever they want, and they've proved that. And until somebody challenges them in a way that forces them not to do that, they can still do it. So if they want to say Cam Newton is the most, for example, uh, he's the absolute uh, standard of amateurism, you know, uh, they can do it. And say, he, you know, in the SEC, you don't have to monitor high-profile athletes. In the SEC... They're automatically fine, you know, and everybody will just say, "Well, yeah, I guess that's right." USC was was the lone exception to the rule, uh, so you know, I'm I'm being very cynical because unfortunately I've had to read the 500 and some pages of testimony and case file, you know, case summaries and rationale that the NCA used in the case, and uh, so. I can't get too involved in where does Jordan Campbell fit exactly into all of these categories because, you know, I think UIC is probably in pretty good shape because of the fact that they've gone out and, you know, built up such a big compliance department and they are, you know, it does look like they're going to be transparent and they're going to tell you what they're doing and what they found out and what they know and all of that, which, of course, is is opposite what they did in the past. Uh, so 
I'm guessing, you know, USC will be on the right side in terms of the NCAA saying, good, you know, good boy, you're doing the right thing. You're, you know, uh, but, uh, but I, 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 you know, I just don't think people should probably get too involved in this process because we really do understand that they can do whatever they want, and they will. <laughs> they certainly have. All right, Dan, well, we appreciate all your time and uh, st- taking some time out. I hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. We're looking forward to it. Thanks, yeah. Okay. All right, take Bye. care, Dan. Everyone else, we're going to... We're going to look up Gerard Martinez. He's still hurting, but I think we'll get a few minutes with him on the phone to talk about visitors this weekend and some recruiting stuff. So stay tuned for that. We'll, t- we'll talk to Gerard with his broken... No uh, turkey for pull- Gerard uh, tomorrow. Yeah, hopefully he'll be okay. But All right, <laughs> okay. we'll be back. Stay yeah. tuned. You are listening to the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California. USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We have Gerard Martinez on the line. He just had his tooth pulled last night, so we, uh, we'll we keep this brief. We apologize, Gerard. Thanks for joining us, and hope you're doing better. Are you feeling all right? I'm feeling okay. I like your somber attitude, though. I, I like the way you took it down, like five notches from your normal... Good morning, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, we feel bad, man, but uh, we'll we'll try to keep this brief. Um, we had a question uh, actually. Do you want to do you want to give them some background as to what happened? I, I broke my tooth on popcorn, and it was you couldn't salvage it. <laughs> it was it was broken in half almost. So I just told them, boy. For people out there who have the choice of doing the tooth pulls or doing crown lengthening, let me just tell you all that crown lengthening is a, uh, it's a BS. It's kind of a, a little bit of a, I think a, a dentist, uh, I don't know, I think it's a scam. I think crowns are a scam. I've had, I've had a couple crowns in my life and uh, it seems like they only last you a, few, a few years, you know, if you eat regularly and, and live normally. Um, so. There was some talk of, uh, you know, maybe trying to make a crown for it. And I was like, man, I got half a tooth. <laughs> My teeth is broke. Oh. I'm like, pull it, get rid of it, let's do it. Thanksgiving is coming. I'll be eating turkey through a straw. So, yeah, you had an exposed nerve, too, right? So it was pretty painful. Yeah, that was, yeah. And that was the thing that sucked about it. But, yeah, that, uh, but, yeah so that's just why uh, I'm toothless today. And you may be able to tell I got a little bit of a list, a little Mike Tyson ish today, but uh, that's fine. We could talk about uh, recruiting with a little Mike Tyson, you know, a little, little accent there. Right. All right. Well, uh, we had a, a, a voicemail question earlier, and he was hearing all these rumors that all these guys were transferring out. And then at the end of the call, he said, and I hear that George Farmer and Marquis Lee are going to Oregon. Um, we Evan wrote in a question about George Farmer as well. Everyone's saying George Farmer is virtual lock for USC. Why isn't he committed yet? Do you think he's going to wear Cardinal and gold next year? And I, you know, I, 
I just maybe get your thoughts on it. I've been down to Sarah quite a bit, and you know, he's a guy we've talked about a number of times not being, you know, a lock, probably a lean towards USC, but you know, being the local school and stuff. But you know, it certainly don't feel he's a lock to go there. He'll he'll announce his decision at the Army All American game, and you know, I, I think USC fans would obviously love to see him wear Cardinal and Gold next year. He's a special player. They're they got their playoff game on Friday, their second round. They're they're hosting it at Sarah again. But maybe kind of get your thoughts on. What's going on with George Farmer, and should people panic, and is he a lock, and all that stuff? Well, locks are for doors that cannot be opened, and with recruiting, the door is always open, especially when uh, recruits are going to take trips, and, and George Farmer's taken several trips already. Uh, he's been to Cal with uh, Marquise Lee and Jason Gibson, went to Oregon with Marquise Lee and Jason Gibson, went to Florida with Marquise Lee, and it looks like he's going to go to Miami with Marquise Lee. So, He's definitely looking around and, and enjoying the process and, and trying to find if there's a school that's better that's a better fit for him than USC. I think um, you talked to him uh, after the Florida visit. He gave that a seven. I, I think the feel is that it's going to be tough for him to go away from the West Coast. I think a lot of people feel like he's going to stay in the West Coast, um, but does he want to stay local or does he want to maybe go to a Cal or, or go to Oregon? Um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he could do that. I think uh, Oregon is kind of an interesting uh, team for him, you know, their offense and, and how they would maybe want to use him. Um, obviously, it's a, it's, a, it's a much different offense than he's used to as far as, uh, you know, being a little more of a, a, a centered offense on one or two players. Um, you know, Sarah's kind of always kind of built that around uh, the talent they have and, and kind of being able to showcase guys. Um, with a with a spread offense, but a spread offense that is certainly not an option offense. You know, he's never really had a quarterback that's been a, a running type quarterback, dual threat quarterback. So, um, you know, you, you figure offensively, a post offense might be a, a little better for him as far as you know finding a place where he could build his talents and he could kind of you know make him the feature type guy. Uh, but again, you know, Oregon's winning and USC is not winning. Um, and, you know, they've had uh, some troubles in the season offensively here and down the stretch. And I think, um, you know, a team like Oregon comes into California and they beat USC and, and really in being up close until the fourth quarter, they've kind of been able uh, to to showcase what they have as far as, you know, being a program in the future. And that's what everybody's selling. You know, Oregon's trying to sell that they're going to be the next dominant team from the West Coast in the future. And USC is trying to tell now that they're rebuilding and, and they have, you know, a, a bright future ahead of them. And I, and I think that's really gonna, what's going to come down to for a lot of the big name recruits here. And if USC slips up and they allow a guy like Farmer to leave, um, if they allow him to get out of Southern California, it's going to be because the kids are not buying into the future of the program and the future that USC and Lane Kiffin can get back to the dominance that they had. Uh, post sanctions, and, and, and that's really what it's about. And, and quite frankly, I think we kind of discussed this before too. I think really the salesmanship of this program's back on the rise, and 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 it's a new thing. You know, this is kind of a it's a it's a new era for USC football. Yeah, the tradition is there. You know that um, you can you can win here and win at the highest of levels. Obviously, Pete Carroll showed that, and, and those teams of Reggie Bush and Mike Leiner. I mean, they were the champions, champions. And so you have the, the, the foundation, and, and it's been done before, um, but now it, it has to be done in a new way. And I think kids get really excited about that, and I think that's really what 
Wine Cape is going to try to sell. And, and, and so, listen, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a clean slate. You know, we haven't gone through a, a long losing period or, or, or anything to that degree. I mean, the, the program is still relatively very successful. But I think, you know, there, there's a little bit of that reset button. Like, you know, you're, you're not necessarily coming in just to keep on winning. And I think at some point with USC's recruiting, the winning only it became monotonous somewhat. You know, it, it, I think it, kids kind of lost interest because they wanted to kind of strike out and do their own thing, and, and you start to lose kids because you know they want to win, but they kind of want to win with 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 the titles on their backs and, and being the guys that were the Reggie Bushes and the Matt Liners that helped build the program to being at a high level instead of just following in the footsteps. Of, uh, of someone who just won previous championships. And obviously the expectations that come from, you know, previous championships are recent. So I think, you know, Lane's going to have to come in he's going to have to kind of sell that, hey, you know, we're, we're going to be okay, but we're going to do it a different way, and we're going to go back to that dominance. And the kids just have to buy into that. And I think George Farmer, is, it, it, George Farmer, Greg Townsend, and the two guys that jumped out to me as being, as you circle and say, okay, the staff has to get those guys. Those are mu- those are must-have guys. If you don't get both those guys, I think in this in this class, then you start to go, okay, it's going to be tough. The sanctions really are hitting USC, and the coaching staff has got an uphill battle because I think if you start to lose those uh, homegrown players and guys that have been you know USC fans for for a very long time, then you start to question, you know, there's there's going to be more influence out there to pull them away from the program. Uh, then there is, uh, you know, influence there to, to keep them um, interested and in, in kind of go where you would think that they would go just um, having been fans and having you know, been close to the program for so many years. All right. Uh, well, let's, the, the other thing I want to talk about before we let you go is the official visitors. This weekend, coming to the Coliseum, the last home game that Lane Kiffin can bring in official visitors for and impress these recruits. Uh, looks like a lot of linemen are coming in and some guys kind of off the radar. Maybe you want to give a quick rundown of guys coming in there to visit USC this weekend. Yeah, there's going to be a few linemen. It's kind of, it looks like it's going to be a JC weekend uh, at this point. Uh, you've got um, Aaron Douglas, who's, who's really the featured guy, uh, a kid that's about 6'6", 280, 285 pounds. Um, the transfer from Tennessee, he played uh, as a true freshman, was actually an SEC All-Freshman team um, selection at, at tackle for Tennessee when Lane Kiffin was there and decided to transfer out of Tennessee when the coaching staff moved to Southern California. He's now at uh, Yuma Western Community College, and there's a pretty good team that they've got out there because they've got a few guys uh, that the uh, is recruiting. And his teammate, uh, Corian Chambers, who's about 6'6", he's about 330 at least, uh, is also coming out uh, to USC for an official visit this weekend. So you've got two linemen from the same junior college coming out. Um, the intriguing part, obviously, with Douglas is that he's got a relationship with James Craig. He seems very close with James Craig. Uh, he understands what Lane Kiffin uh, wants to do in, in terms of offense. Uh, he's got some familiarity with the coaching staff. And obviously that's a good thing. That's a, that, you know, the transition for him, he's not a kid that's uh, – that, that, that dropped out, had great issues, um, you know, transferred for any other reason than he just wanted to leave Tennessee. It wasn't the coaching staff came in with, and so he wanted to be able to go somewhere else and, and have another shot at it. And it seems like, you know, USC obviously coming all the way out west, 
that works well for them. Um, so you look at him and say, okay, the transition is going to be minimal with him. You know, he's going to be a December graduate. He'll come in right away and be able to contribute in spring ball. And with all the talk of Tyron Smith maybe leaving uh, for the NFL draft this year, I think that's very important for USC to be able to have some maturity on the offensive line. Um, Chambers is definitely a bigger guard type. Uh, when you get in that, you know, 330 range, kind of one, okay, he's probably got good feet, but he may not be um, athletic or rangy enough to play on the tackle side. Uh, but he's a, a little bit of a mauler. Um, he's also a December graduate. So that's the intriguing part with both those guys is that they're both December graduates. And I think that's going to kind of be, you know, the thing, get those guys in for spring ball and get them acclimated to the playbook. And like I said, with, with Douglas, it's probably minimal. But with Chambers, it'd probably be, you know, more more of an issue. Um, so both those guys are coming in. Also, Sylvester Williams, who's kind of a guy that came out of the radar. He's a defensive tackle. He's about 6'3", uh, 310 pounds. Um, he's originally from Missouri. But then actually, as he knows of, but doesn't really know, Sheldon Richardson, who committed to USC a few weeks ago. Um, he's from College of Sequoia's but originally from Missouri as well. So both of those guys came out of Missouri around 2008, 2009. And I think about Williams, he actually spent a year away from football, uh, went to a trade school instead, and then decided, you know, decided to talk stuff. So I don't think it's going to work out for me. Let me go back to school, see if I can make a go of football again. Um, and this was recently offered uh, a scholarship by USC last week. So he's coming out, and uh, he looks like a player. His stock is on the rise, too. Georgia just uh, offered him. Um, there's a few schools after him pretty hard, uh, Oklahoma State, Ole Miss. Um, and we'll see kind of how that shakes out. He seems like he's really interested in USC. He's got to take a visit, never been to California. Um, but that's kind of a new name that's uh, on the target list that's uh, coming in this weekend. Um, and then you have uh, Ryan Nowicki, who's uh, another offensive lineman um, in that 6'5", 275, 280-pound range. Obviously, that is big. There's some of the more mature guys that are coming in this weekend. Uh, but then runs a pretty talented player who's got a lot of offers. Got offers from basically the whole Pac-10. And um, another guy who was recently offered that he was offered just a few weeks ago. So, you know, you will see um, kind of a little later, some of the running offers to be given out. But the good news all these guys in our business, and that's the biggest deal. I mean, when you when you talk about late offers, you always wonder, okay, can you get, get this kid on a visit? Can you really kind of convince him? Um, to take, you know, USC seriously, you know, and all these other schools have, have been recruiting for so long. Well, obviously, with all these players, even though they've gotten a little later visits, or excuse me, a little later offers, um, they're ready to visit right here, right now. So that'll be uh, Nuwiki's, I believe, his first official visit. Um, and at this point, probably the only high school kid uh, we have on the list right now for the official visit for the Notre Dame game. But there'll be some, a bunch of unofficial visitors, most likely. Like, those guys always seem to love to come out for the games. There'll, there'll be a ton, yeah. There's there's a, a lot of unofficial visitors, and, uh, you know, Marcus Lee and Farmer and, and quite a few guys should be there. And, and really, you know, I've said this before, but a lot of these unofficial visits are just as important, if not more important, um, in the long run uh, for USC than, than, than really bringing in all these out-of-state guys and all these, you know, high-ranked guys. Really locally, you bring guys in on unofficial visits, you keep them close to the program. Um, they just become, you know, tight with the coaching staff. They get to know the players in the locker room. Uh, they just start to feel at home. They start to feel like, hey, you know, this is this is where I want to be at for the next few years. That's a very important thing. And, and we've seen the guys who haven't really, you know, even with committed players in the past, the guys who stay committed, you know, and the commitment is a word that kind of gets floating around out there anymore that we all kind of laugh at a little bit because verbal commitments don't really mean much anymore. And and we've seen with USC in the past years, 
the kid that don't make it out, and Montez Barfick uh, is, a, is, a, is a good example. You know, while Powell never really verbally committed um, to, to USC, at least publicly, um, but with another guy, they didn't really get to a lot of USC games unofficially. They, they just, you know, travel out here in the Empire, um, it's, you know, an hour and a half away, you know, with traffic, maybe even sometimes a little longer, and it's hard to get pretty skin to get right. They're just not around the program enough. And then allows other teams, you know, to be able to kind of come in and, and kind of sway them away. you got to have these local kids show up at these games. It's, it's really big. Even though it's not an official visit, it's really huge. They have great towns there, towns in there as much as possible. Uh, DeAnthony Thomas, um, you know, th- those guys have to be around the program. And, and George Farmer, uh, you know, so the coaches got to work to get those guys there unofficially, you know, make sure they, they get their, you know, little conversation in before the game and after the game. And uh, so they just get familiar around the program. And so we'll see, you know, who shows up and, and who doesn't, because uh, that's, that's also important. It's not just about the official visits. The unofficial visits are very important. All right. Well, Gerard, we appreciate you uh, fighting through the, uh, the the tooth that is now vacant. And uh, we hope you feel better and hope you don't have to eat your turkey through a straw and enjoy your Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate it. Hopefully uh, I was uh, I can articulate enough so people know what I was talking about with all these visits and stuff. But, uh, I, uh, yeah, you too. You, you guys all out there have a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, you guys be safe, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, everyone else, thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you, like Gerard said, enjoy your Thanksgiving, eat lots of turkey, don't worry about calories for a day, have a good time, have some pumpkin pie and all that fun stuff. We appreciate you listening to the Peristyle Podcast, and we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.